Welcome to the busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. Ratings and reviews are crucial to the success of any podcast. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave a rating, review, or both. If you do not know how, there are links in my show notes. Also, please contact me if you'd like to be a guest on the show or know someone that should be a part of this podcast. Information on how to reach me and a link to my website are also in the show notes. My guest today is Ted Baer. Ted has a wide range of experience in serving in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He shares with us today the 10 P's, which is the system he developed to take reading of the scriptures to actually initiating change in his life to become more like the Savior. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and is used with his permission. And now, here's Ted. Well, Ted, how are you doing this morning? Really good. How about you, Richard? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. Now, um, I know very little about you except that um, you are teaching. What, what is it you teach? So right now I teach an adult institute class that used to be a 10 state class, but with COVID it's down to about uh, seven, well, about 12 people, I guess, on Zoom. But it's Come Follow Me, Doctor and Covenants now. Oh, very good. So you're staying up with the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, obviously, because you're teaching it. Yes, I taught it for 14 years at uh, Logan Institute at okay. Utah State and really fell in love with it there. Okay. And you, uh, what is your past? As a teacher with the church or what? Well, I started off as a confused young man uh, during Vietnam War. I got married uh little after the marriage deferment disappeared and had a son just after the uh, fatherhood dis disappeared and went to my draft board and told him I was majoring in physics at the time. I kind of wanted to be a research scientist. And they said, uh, and I changed my mind actually and wanted to teach. And they said, oh, that's no problem. If you'll teach, that's a uh, critical field deferment. So I, I went to uh, California and I taught early morning seminary wards and then uh, taught uh, physics and math and science in high school. And then I had to make a decision when the war ended about what I should do with my life and went, went into seminary. And uh, I've done that in uh, Skyline High School, Granger High School back east in New England, uh, down to uh, Logan for 14 years, and then went to, uh, uh, next one was in uh, the church office building. I was actually an international personnel manager with the salaries worldwide for the church education system at that time. And then I uh, changed to, uh, came back, we went on our mission at that point as mission president, and then we came back and I taught at uh, uh, Slick, Salt Lake Community College Institute, and then at uh, Weber for three years, and then we transferred to Berkeley, California, and finished up there. So that's been my career, and then since I've been uh, retired, I've been working in the missionary department and also uh, working, uh, well, teaching this class that I really love. It's been with uh, whatever the Sunday schools had pretty well for 12, 12 years now. Wow. Now, you ended up your career in Berkeley, the um, leftist center of the, of the world. <laughs> How did you survive? It, it, was, it was really exciting. 
You know, it's interesting. Berkeley was probably about as uh, politically uh, leaning as the University of Utah. I shouldn't say that with people in the University of Utah. My brother went there, so I have to <coughs> to uh, dig him sometimes. But the city of Berkeley certainly was uh, as far left as you can get. Yes, it would be a challenge living in that area. Um, we had more baptisms in that assignment than any place I've ever been. It was really... Oh. Pretty fun to see the kids bring their friends to class and to lunch. My wife would serve a supper for them every Tuesday night, and they'd all come to that. <laughs> well, now, you said you served uh, as mission president. Where was that? Uh, North Carolina Charlotte Mission was our mission. And, and when was that? Uh, we got home in 2000, so 20 years ago, last, last December. <laughs> wow, that was a long last time July. ago. Yeah. It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, you stay in contact with your missionaries? Yeah, it, it's uh, been interesting. We started, uh, you know, with addresses and found out in a hurry that missionaries moved quickly and lost them. So we've reconnected now with uh, the Internet and with uh, social media. And we have about, I guess, about 200 missionaries we still keep track of. That's not all of them. We had uh, 370 or something altogether. So we're we're missing a few still. But we have quite a few that we've kept track with. And now, did you serve as a young man a mission? Yes, yes. I served in a one of the four missions along the East Coast. They were all huge. <laughs> D.C., uh, Eastern, Eastern Atlantic States Mission was our mission. Uh, Tad Callister is probably the most famous one of the bunch. He took my place when I left. Uh, oh. But we were in the mission at the same time. Okay. Wow. Now, how many children do you have? So we have three bears and a Goldilocks. We had a boy and a girl and a boy, and then told we weren't having any more kids. And then we got a little miracle child seven years later. Oh. So we have uh, four all together. And are they pretty much scattered around or close to home? Well, they're they're a little less scattered now. Our baby girl moved from uh, Illinois to Alaska to Colorado, and she's now back in Layton. So she's actually our closest one now. We have a daughter in Highland, and then we have two sons. are both in Texas. They don't like the snow as much as we do. No. <laughs> what what part of Texas are they in? They're both in Dallas. Uh, one's in a suburb of Fort, of, uh, Fort Worth and the other uh, Fort Worth actually, and then the other one is in uh, Frisco, north of Texas, north of Dallas. I mean. Okay. Now, what is it you do with the mission department? So uh, I'm a clearance analyst. It's uh, <laughs> when I first uh, went to learn about the job, they told me it was an ugly job, and it really is. Uh, all of us, uh, there are 10 of us now, 11 of us actually that do this. We're all return mission presidents and we process uh, sexual transgressions for missionaries who either need to go on their mission or to return to their mission. And we prefer a form and send a packet to a general authority. And then he, uh, different general authorities decide every Tuesday, yes, no, or wait. Wow, that is, um, that could get depressing. It, it really got depressing for a while. I, when I first started, about two months into it, I had to get my state president to give me a blessing for it, and that oh. helped a lot. But <laughs> the, the good thing is uh, we also get to process them as they try to return to their missions or to, to go, as I said. And it's really fun to call a state president and let them know that their missionaries now approved to, to go. Well, very good. Yeah. So I've learned a lot about the atonement. <laughs> yes, and repentance, and, um, and it's difficult for the missionary himself. It's a trying time, but I'll tell you, the atonement is so powerful. It's really, really exciting to watch young men and what they do by going through the repentance process and 
the healing of the Savior. Yes, uh, it's uh, very, very powerful. Um, my um, father-in-law uh, worked for the mission department after he returned from uh, being a mission president. But he didn't have your responsibility. He, um, he helped out the mission presidents who were having problems. Well, that's, so a, that's a fairly new program that is really, I, I wish I'd have had it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's more of a mentor, and uh, of course, when yeah. he did that, uh, he he went to the other side of the veil here uh, this this last year, but he was 93, 94, oh, dear. so it was uh, a, Sorry few about years, that. Yeah, a few years ago, but um, yeah, it was uh, interesting, he got all sorts of calls where the mission president just go, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great help to them. I know several of my friends that are doing that now, and it's just really a great help to those mission presidents. I'm envious of. Now, with COVID, do you actually go into the, the church building, or what do you do? You know, we all work from home. Uh, we, uh, one, the other man that uh, kind of runs it with me, we uh, we had to go in and train a new one, and it was hard to train him over online, but uh, we just did that for two days, two weeks in a row, and uh, everybody's back to home now again. Very good. Well, um, I got a wonderful video last night. Um, I teach a class for the senior missionaries on technology for the Orem and Provo missions every Wednesday. And uh, part of a member of that class, uh, Craig Nelson, he um, sent me a video he made that is made to go to families to get them excited about doing missionary work. And the video he put together is so, it's, it's wonderful. I told him it's so professional and polished. And, and uh, it's about, I guess, maybe eight, ten minute video. And I thought, boy, this should be a, a video that should be church-wide because it's just so well, well put together. And he has a, a, a form that goes with it. So when the family watches it, then it has a worksheet. And um, he talks about all the different ways one can do missionary work and everything. And it's just a, a wonderful video. It's amazing. I'd love to see that. Yeah, well, I, I will send it to you because it's uh, just something that um, I was so impressed with it. Uh, I'm the elders quorum president right now. I, I told the uh, stake president that that's supposed to be for the young guys, but um, he disagreed. <laughs> uh, so anyway. <laughs> but I, I disagreed I, with him too. With you too. <laughs> But anyway, I, I told uh, Elder Nelson, I said, you know, I, I want to use this for my elders quorum. So I think I am. I think we're going to find a way to, to get it into the homes and everything. But I'll, I'll send you the package and so you can take a, take a look at it. All right. You know, that's well, one of the most exciting things that's happening in missionary work. Mission presidents now have a budget for their missionaries to put uh, YouTube videos and others out there. And they are coming with fantastic things. Yeah, I, I've seen some that just the uh, young elders or sisters put together, and they're very, very good. Absolutely, really good. They are. Well, uh, as far as scriptures, how do you approach them? Well, I, I have kind of what I call the 10 Ps program, <laughs> and that's uh, an interesting way to approach it, but it seems to cover most of the basis for what, I, what I've found successful in my own life, at least, in my own studies. So number one on the P's is pray for revelation. I think if you don't set the stage that you don't get as good a production. 
President Nelson, I love his quote about our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. But in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And I think if we're going to be prepared for the second coming in the way he wants us to be and do the work we need to do to gather Israel, that uh, praying for revelation is really important because the scriptures are full of what the uh, Lord has wanted us to do in these latter days. Uh, stop me if you have <laughs> any suggestions. I'm certainly open to that. Uh, number two is pay attention. Uh, I know so many times in my prayers I say a prayer and then I go to sleep or I go to eat or something else. So preparing to receive answers, I think, is important. And along with that, you have to keep yourself worthy, repenting, keeping the commandments. But listening is really important. And I love the way President Nelson quotes President Kimball on this. I always love these kind of quotes because it's kind of a bonus. You get two witnesses in one. So President Nelson said in conference, President Spence W. Kimball said it would not hurt us either if we paused at the end of our prayers to do some intense listening, even for a moment or two. Always praying as the Savior did, not my will, but thy thine be done. And I, I, I really like that, and I've, uh, I've put it to work, and it, uh, it really does help when I uh, just pause. It's kind of a meditating that President uh, Hinckley used to talk about before meetings and before we do certain things uh, to pause and, and just listen. So James, of course, is the most famous scripture maybe on getting help. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. President Nelson again said, What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father. Turn to Him for answers and com for comfort. So I do try to use the same thing every morning when I study and nights when I'm middle of the day, whenever else I, I do studying. And it does help to kind of have a place that you feel like this is where I'm going to get answers. This is where I'm going to get help. Of course, in front of the computer nowadays, uh, as you know from the great book that you wrote, uh, is an important thing to do. So I, uh, I, I, I pray every morning. And it's kind of interesting. Sometimes I'll get answers after I get done studying and go shower in the middle of the shower and keep thinking I need to get a waterproof pad to write on. But I usually try and remember until uh, I get dry and go down and write it down. But answers will come anytime. Some answers uh, don't come yet. I've had years and years with some of my questions, and I know some of them will probably come A.D. after my death. But uh, it's something that does happen if we keep keep listening and waiting on the Lord's timetable for. Yes, that is very important. I have gotten revelation while in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's amazing when it comes and... Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a, um, a whiteboard or anything in the shower. Um, quite often in the shower, I'm listening to a podcast um, it, in the shower. Our, our phones are basically, they're not waterproof, but they can uh, take a lot of water. And uh, I have a shelf in the shower there where it's pretty much protected from the water. It gets a little bit on it. But, um, but yeah, there's times that I just go, wow, as soon as I get out of here, I got to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, it's amazing, and I uh, I've gotten revelation while driving in the car and just yeah. all sorts of places. So it, it is amazing. 
even watching TV, I'll get <laughs> impressions. I have to run the next door, next next room, and get a pad and paper. <laughs> so uh, the ten P's. Uh, I have prayer and pay attention. Uh huh. Uh, I like uh, one more quote, maybe on this. Uh, pay attention. I, I'd like he summarize it really well. It's Elder Francisco J. J. Vinas of the seventy. The voice of the Lord may be received by listening to the Lord's servants, studying the scriptures, and being prompted through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I think you've touched on a couple of those already, but that, that summarizes a lot. If we want to hear God, those are the main ways to do it. So number three is partake. Uh, it's kind of a different one, but uh, it's it had to start with P. <laughs> Basically, it's uh, the idea of eating regularly. And I always keep thinking to myself, you know, I never miss a meal. Why would I miss a day doing the scriptures? And I, I do a lot better with eating than I do with reading the scriptures sometimes, but uh, that's the idea. Uh, President Kimball said, I find when I get casual in my relationships with divinity, when it seems that no divine ear is listening and no divine voice is speaking, that I am far, far away. If I immerse myself in the scriptures and the distance narrows, then the spirituality returns. This past week, you know, we had a real disruption in the Capitol building. Uh, a, a dear friend of mine and I were talking about it, and he was on a different side of it than I was. And it was interesting, as he as he talked, he said, you know, he said, in the last couple of weeks, I've been pretty angry. He says, I think I've been missing my scriptures. I'm going to start back into that and see if I can get my anger overcome. Hmm. And I, I, that really happens with me. I uh, uh, it just It's just real. I get away, and the scriptures is one of the best way to come back, uh, along with prayer. Elder Maxwell had a great concept on this uh, partaking. He says, we need to feast upon the words of Christ. Of course, that, uh, he quotes Second Nephi on that in the scriptures. As these words come to us from living prophets, just nibbling occasionally will not do. Feasting means partaking with relish, delight, savoring, not gorging, episodically and heedless hunger, but partaking gratefully, dining with delight at a sumptuous spread carefully and lovingly prepared by prophet chefs over the centuries. These words plus the gift of the Holy Ghost will tell us all things we should do. That's pretty comforting if we just uh, enjoy our meals and enjoy the scriptures. Uh, Elder Spencer Condi the 70 also said, the scriptures are a veritable banquet of insights and divine counsel. Let us feast at the table often. So I try to remind myself that uh, my scripture shouldn't, study shouldn't be a food storage plan saved only for emergencies and it shouldn't be a snack only saved for special occasions so i i used to tell my missionaries study weekly not weekly and you just have to learn how to spell it right <laughs> and then it's <clears throat> i guess the other is you could say study daily not de not delay delay <laughs> daily not delay uh, my I, wife like, I, I like that about i like that about food storage <laughs> <laughs> my wife is the best example to me she just never ever misses a day doesn't matter what day of the week it is she's always underlining the book of mormon she goes to it about four times a year and uh she's just a good example to me and it's just a good concept to eat regularly so number four is ponder and this really is to me one of the most important ones because i i learned so much more after i learned how to do this right uh, Joseph uh, asked a question. That's how he got the answer in the first uh, vision and, and most of the Doctrine and Covenants. So questions are important. And my, some of my favorite questions are, what's the meaning of the symbol? Or is this a symbolizing something? Or what does it mean in terms of symbolic? 
And then why did the Lord maybe use this word or phrase? It led me some really interesting places. And then my, my favorite one, I think, is how does this fit into the plan of salvation? If it doesn't fit, I know it's not very important. <laughs> but there are some things that are trivial in the scriptures that I've studied and thought of. But if it fits into the plan of salvation, it's been a, a really neat piece of the puzzle that goes into this 10,000-piece puzzle that I'm trying to put together about what the scriptures mean and how I should live them. Johnny Wistow has a great quote on it. He says, The first thing to remember is that revelations contained in the book of the Doctrine and Covenants are answers to questions. If that is kept in mind, it will help me understand, help to understand it. The church developed gradually, gradually as problems arose. This one makes uh, studying the Doctrine and Covenants this year and come follow me really exciting. The prophet went to the Lord for an answer to or solution of the matter at hand. That is the method of the church today. It represents the method that the Lord uses according to Mormon doctrine. He could use that in the old days in dealing with his children. The Lord seldom volunteers. That's an interesting concept. The Lord does not usually offer. We must reach out to obtain his blessings. Ask and you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened to you. That's pretty well aligned with the, doc, the uh, uh, Bible dictionary and what it talks about getting answers to prayer. So uh, ha have a question and ask him, and that's how we get the next answer. And then there are a couple of ones that I've tried to follow, uh, number five and number six. Number five is uh, patterns, and it's a little more broad. It's really basically how does this fit in with a plan of happiness? It can be broad concepts rather than little specific ones. And I kind of take uh, lead from Doctrine and Covenants 52.14, where God, the, the Savior says, I will give you a pattern in all things. So I'm trying to find those patterns and find to find in all things what the pattern is. And it seems to help the puzzle fit together a lot more if I keep in mind patterns. Uh, but one of my favorites is also the number six is principles. Uh, Joseph started us off with uh, the first two principles in the Articles of Faith faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance. And then in 3 Nephi 27, it's there, but it's interesting that it wasn't really published by any uh, uh, manual in the church until preach my gospel, and that was the other principle of endurance. So we've got those to start with, and then the key is to kind of find out what the rest of the principles are. And what I look for are ones that are eternal. Uh, I like to think of them as they are the same ones that were taught uh, on a planet a billion years ago, and they're the same ones that are going to be taught on a planet a billion years from now. They're future and past and present. Uh, they're eternal. And, of course, eternal is synonymous with God. So they're God principles. They're how he became God, and now he's teaching them through us, through his sons, through his prophets, through the scriptures. So... Uh, where, where I got off on this was years and years ago, I found one of my favorite quotes of all time from Henry B. Iring, who was in the presiding bishopric at the time. Uh, now he's, the, of course, in the first presidency. He said at the time, there are a few key principles. If they were in the hearts of people everywhere in the world, things would run well. That's why Joseph Smith said, I teach correct principles and they govern themselves. He didn't say I teach them a correct handbook or I teach them 50 procedures. He said, I teach them correct principles. So I keep trying to find the correct principles. And I, I, I've added to them, and, and they seem to, they never seem to get a huge number of them, but they, they're really powerful ones when you isolate them and when you try to understand them and, and study them. My wife has a great concept about eternal principles. She, she said, principles never change, but they change us. 
So principles are something I try to look for a lot. Now, one of the best ways to get principles is to study number seven of study prophets. Uh, prophets are amazing how they use the scriptures and what they teach us, uh, conference and other ways through books. But uh, in the Doctrine and Covenants, of course, we learn in the Lord's Preface, section one that we all studied here recently, that whether by my own, my own voice or the voice of my servants, it's the same. So if we want to hear, again, as Elder Vigna said, if we want to hear the voice of God, we have to listen to his prophets. Uh, Elder Maxwell was so great with so many things, but I love his quote on this. Appreciation for and the acceptance of the scriptures and the words of the living prophets, and that's where I put them together a lot, are much more important steps than many realize. The Lord has said, he that will not believe my words will not believe me that I am. To turn aside his teachings is to turn away from him and disdain his doctrines is disdain for him. Disdain for his doctrines is disdain for him. So I think that's important. As I, I try to remember as I teach and I try to remember as I learn that if I don't have a couple of prophets and a couple of scriptures, I may not be in the right territory. But when I can find those that mesh together, that gives me good doctrine for myself as well to teach. Uh, when Elder Maxwell talked about the living prophets, I, I just make a note to myself that every prophet from Joseph Smith is a living prophet because they are all in the true and living church that the Savior introduced in the Restoration. Now, one of my favorite things to find scripture, find prophets' words are, is uh, something that a lot of, not, not enough members of the church know. And I just barely got your books. So I don't know if you talked about this. Do you deal with the scripture citation index in your book? Richard? Yes, I yes I do. Do you find that a lot of people don't know what that is? <laughs> uh, yes, um, uh, it's part of the class I teach to the missionaries. Um, I've been a little disappointed um, because if you use the application, uh, the app itself, it only goes till April of 2019. I think that's the date. And if you go to the website, of course, it's up to date as far as the conference talks. And I've written to the uh, developers of it. They're, they work there at BYU. I assume they're still at BYU and not retired. But um, yeah. I just haven't heard back from them why they're not updating the application. So, But anyway, um, I use the app. And then if I want to find something over the last year, then I just go to the website. But it's an invaluable source. It's a great it, it source. It truly is. Uh, it, it, I, I've learned that how the, uh, pro, how the prophets use scriptures will teach us a whole lot about scriptures. <laughs> and that's just really fun to look at how they use them in conference talks. And, of course, what the people did, I, I don't use the app ever, so I'm, I, I, I'm glad I use the computer instead. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what they basically do is that you can pull up any scripture and all of the standard works. And I haven't found one yet that's not in there. <laughs> And basically, you'll find out how every person from Joseph Smith down, to, as you said, last October conference, how if it was used in a talk, they'll give it, uh, give it, uh, you, you can find it there in, in just a small place in this talk where they gave. So it, it's really amazing to see the scriptures uh, used by the prophets. Okay, number eight. Uh, this is kind of my favorite one, I think, in the last uh, 20 years, and that's to plunder the treasure house. Uh, this is your specialty, your digital study for the busy Latter-day Saint, seven minutes a day. I just barely got it, like I said a few minutes ago. 
But uh, how to tap into the miracle of technology is, is really a crucial one. I say 20 years, it's probably only been about 10 years that uh, a lot of these things have been available. And I've been surprised how many of them, you probably have too, you mentioned that the other day, how many things have come in the last uh, two years and one year that uh, the church is really developing this resource like crazy and it's expanding. So anyway, uh, the, the way to start is to tap into uh, on the in internet, uh, churchofjesuschrist.org. Uh, two years ago, it was lds.org, but uh, now it's pretty well, most for the most thing, most part, that one. And so you start there, and I always, I just bookmark that, first of all, on my computer, and then I click on the libraries. I think there are, can't remember how many tabs there are. I only go to the one, but the first tab is libraries. And then after you click on that, you'll get gospel library to click on, and that's where you develop this in the book, I can tell by your outline. So there you get scriptures, you get conference, you get Come Follow Me, which is a miracle cure for 2020. Uh, I think it's dividing the sheep from the goats. This whole program, not program, the whole concept of uh, church, home-centered, church-supported. And boy, wasn't that important during COVID. Uh, and, and just in time, two years before, we get that. And then you can follow also Restoration and Church History, which has all kinds of new things. You find both volumes of saints in there. Uh, you'll find in the same Gospel Library magazines, Seminary Institutes, which I like to plug a lot because they're really some of the best uh, resources ever ever done by the church. Uh, other people have done some great resources as well that I make use of as well, but, but the Seminary Institute manuals are really the best. And then there are videos and then topics, which I always encourage my students to look at. Uh, I, I really love Bruce R. McConkie and Mormon Doctrine, but it wasn't the church's Mormon Doctrine. Topics is the real Mormon Doctrine for the church. And uh, I, I work with, in the missionary department, uh, one of his sons, Stephen, and I have a great admiration for him. But this new uh, topics developed by the church is just amazing. Uh, guide to the scriptures will give you all kinds of insights. Gospel topics is one of my favorites. That's what I call the, the real uh, Mormon doctrine. Well, really, Latter-day Saint doctrine, I should call it. Uh, gospel topic essays, which to me are just incredible. They're brand new fresh the last five years on the very toughest of the subjects that the church has to deal with. Uh, church history topics, which again has some very difficult ones in it, but beautiful, wonderful stories of the history developing. Gospel principles is in there. That's a manual I'll come back to in a minute. And then true to the faith, which was kind of a one of the beginning uh, starts, I think, on uh, the doctrine for the church. Uh, so those are those are just, uh, they're, they're just so fun to explore and to learn and I'm writing a second book, and uh, it's just amazing what online has done for me in research to get a book. I, If I didn't have the Internet, I think I'd have one-tenth of the book is all I'd have really done uh, in comparison to what you can find online. Yeah, the Internet is, um, in fact, um, in one of my podcasts, I was interviewing my son back in Iowa, and uh, part of his was that he uses Google. Yeah, and and it helps him in the scripture study. And and you mentioned the gospel library. What you mentioned was just a drop in the bucket. What the gospel library has. Yes. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm going to write a post today, and get it out, and also on Instagram and a few other things. That uh, and it, what brought this about is that in the class I teach for the senior missionaries, I told them I said 
it truly is a vast library. And people yes. tend to just think of the scriptures, just use it for the scriptures. And of course, you mentioned some other things, but there are tremendous resources. You're having problems with with budgeting money or something. It's in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in there. You're having trouble with drugs or whatever your problem is. There, there are resources in there. And of course, you can go back to the Ensign magazines all the way back to uh, 72, I believe it is. Might be 71. And... Um, and that's the other thing, by the way, you brought up the citation index. They they go back uh, to the conference talks back to 41. So it's it's it just takes us back further than what the Gospel Library will do. But anyway, the Gospel Library is a vast library. And I, I think most members of the church are just not aware of, of how much is in there. You know, and it, it, so you mentioned Google, and I think that's an awfully important aspect because the church has a search engine but it's not nearly as good as Google's. <laughs> and there's a, a trick if you learn to use it. Uh, and I, I, I wish I knew the whole story. I think Elder Anderson and Elder Bednar are involved with actually going back to Google and making this happen, probably like other companies do. And it probably costs money. But in the, at two, cut three, four years ago, when you Googled anything on the church, you'd find about half anti-Mormon and half Mormon. Uh, nowadays, half Latter-day Saint, half anti-Latter-day Saint. But uh, what happens now is when you uh, put LDS first, whatever you put after that will get you the first 10 of them, most likely all of them be really great articles on the church. Yes. And uh, yeah. that's a terrific search engine. <laughs> yes. And how that came about is the More Good Foundation. They're based that in Provo. That was Provo. More Good, huh? Uh, the, the More Good Foundation uh, is a um, nonprofit organization. Uh, they're not... Uh, an official arm of the church, but um, they make sure that the SEO for the church gets to the top. And uh. Uh, SEO is a search optimization. And um, uh. Uh, they just, uh, in fact, their website is called The Third Hour. Uh, they had to change their name a few times, but now they're The Third Hour. And, I've seen um, that on your website. I didn't know that was connected with more good. Yeah, and it's it's connected with more good, and uh, uh, David Grant is the CEO uh, of that organization, and they just do tremendous work. And what happens is uh, they got a call one time from uh, a mission president in uh, Finland. I think it was Finland. And uh, uh, he just said, we're having a terrible time here because in Finnish, uh, people Google the church, everything's negative. It just just pops up. <laughs> and so anyway, they flew over to uh, Finland and um, ended out that uh, there are some very wealthy people supporting the Morgan Foundation. And then so David has to then go to these people and say, we need to set up an office in Finland and it's going to cost <laughs> X number of dollars uh, you know, to have a building and all of that. And uh, then he gets the donations and uh, so it's all done by donations, and uh, uh, they set up an office, and they train people. And uh, so the More Good Foundation has done tremendous work for the church. In fact, it was, it, was the, it was the church that sent this mission president to the More Good Foundation. The church says, you need to talk to the More, the More Good Foundation on that. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. And you've got other organizations similar to it with uh, the uh, Fair Mormon uh, group that uh, really does a great job not not being 
from the church, but doing things for the church as well as others. Yes. Well, the only thing I wanted to add to the plunder is uh, another uh, well-kept secret that shouldn't be a secret anymore. And I don't know if you deal with the Encyclopedia Mormonism. Yep. I I wish more people knew about that. It's only about, what, 25 years old now, and people don't know it exists. So it's a correlated articles on the toughest subject you can find that you won't find anywhere else. My two favorites are uh, in this category of really tough subject is Freemasonry in the Temple and Freemasonry in Nauvoo. You're going to have to go quite a ways to find the church correlating articles like that. So it's just a great place to find uh, summaries of uh, all kinds of important uh, subjects. And uh, so you've, you've mentioned several, I've mentioned several, and I, as, as often as I use these, I usually bookmark about three or four of these, and that's one that's bookmarked on my computer. So anyway, it's a huge treasure house, and I like what you said. If you're interested sometime, I'd love to spend 15 minutes with you on uh, Doctrine and Covenants section about what I think has just been ref- has been fulfilled in this last year and concerning exactly what you're talking about. So maybe offline we can do that. <laughs> yes, love to. Okay, number nine is, uh, and this is this is really crucial. I've, I've learned the hard way that this is mo- maybe the one of the most important of all the ten is plan on how to keep your treasures. So make a plan about how to file them and keep them. Uh, Ten years ago, I, I finally found the right file. <laughs> I've had three or four over, over my uh, old age and all the years I've spent trying to do this. But here's my favorite one now. So I started with the book Gospel Principles. We mentioned that a minute ago. And remember, it was taught in Reliefside and Priesthood here about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. We, we studied it for two years. Well, that's got 47 of the best subjects uh, that have ever been organized about the church. And what I did is I taught it for two years in this uh, institute class that I teach for adults. We, uh, I, I would supplement each lesson with something from all of the teachings of the Presence of the Church manuals up until then, which is about seven of them, I think, by then. And uh, I found that was really a powerful way to, 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 for me to study and to put it together. And so I have since then added 27 more topics in my my personal, this is my living files, and they're not found in the, in the 47. They're just different subjects that I've, I've found interest in, and so I start a new file. So what I have in this file, uh, at least about seven or eight years ago, I put it online as gospel principles, tpbear.blogspot.com, and uh, it's about eight years old now, but it's not old for me. It's now... Uh, my living file. So when I find a quote I like in general conference, when I find a scripture in my personal studies, that's where I find it. And then I know I can always find it, uh, that I don't want to lose track of it. And now if you've got uh, cloud and some other protection devices, your computer, you can, even if your computer blows up, you can still pull all that back. So uh, to me, that's the way I like to file things now is by subject, but using those standard ones and then the ones I've developed. So plan on how to keep your treasures so you don't lose them. And then the last 10 that I've only come to find uh, how important it is in the last few years, and I don't know why I took so long learning it, but it's uh, I call it possess. I need to possess what I've studied. And it's basically uh, things we've had in conference the last 10 years. The word become has been used a lot. 
So what am I becoming as a result of what I study? What do I do as a result of what I study? Am I changing because of what I learn? So President Nelson again says, we begin with a determination to liken all scriptures to us for a profit and learning. If we press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure the end, we shall have eternal life. To feast means more than to taste. Feast means to savor. We savor the scriptures by studying them in a spirit of delightful discovery and faithful obedience. And then as only a doctor could probably explain, when we feast upon the words of Christ, they are embedded in the fleshly tablets of the heart. They become an integral part of our nature. And I found that too often sometimes I'll, I'll study it, I'll ponder it, I'll find it, I'll uh, file it, and then I don't do it. And then it doesn't do me any good. So it must become an, impar- an integral, integral part of our nature. And uh, Elder Holland had another, or I'm sorry, Patricia Holland had a fun way of saying this uh, years ago in a, conf- in a uh, Ensign Talk. Uh, article. She said, meeting God in scripture has been like a divine intravenous feeding for me, a celestial IV that my son once described as the angelical cord. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that concept that if we are taking it in as nourishment, then it has to change us much as a uh, baby would have to do from the mother's cord, the cord connecting the baby to the mother. Well, as a postscript, I I like to keep in mind something from Hugh Nibley. Have you ever wished for an angel to visit you instead of just studying? You know, that's hard work. Why don't we just get an angel to tell us everything like he did to Joseph Smith? And, And we sometimes mistakenly think. And so I love his quote. He says, if you pray for an angel to visit you, you know what he'll do if he comes. He'll just quote scriptures to you. So you know you're wasting your time waiting for what we already have. I'm quite serious about that. So instead of wishing, we need to, to do something about it. And I, I really love the scriptures, and I love to live them. Well, thank you very much. I wrote down these 10 points here, the 10 Ps, and um, I think you had to stretch a little bit to get a P in there. <laughs> <laughs> Several but, times. <laughs> but but uh, I, I really like that, the 10 Ps. Yeah, I, I really like that. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed the time with you. And um, um, I always end with inviting my guests to bear their testimony. Would you be able to do that? I'm so grateful to uh, know that I'm a son of God. And I know that I have brothers and sisters that are daughters of God and sons of God. And I'm so grateful for my sweetheart and for our eternal marriage and want to repent and progress and grow and have that. But I'm, I'm, very, I'm very grateful for what I know that God loves us. He knows us. It's very personal. I've had too many times where I know that he knows exactly who I am to argue with. I know that the Savior paid for my sins. And I know, again, those are personal because when I uh, learn about him, when I study him, when I feel his presence and learn about the atonement, I know that he's paid for my sins. And that's that's very pleasing to me and very personal and very uh, gratifying that he did that. And I certainly know that the Holy Ghost is always there when I am worthy of him and always there when I need him. So I'm very grateful to know that God lives and to know that he has prophets I had an opportunity in North Carolina to, we called it the buckle of the Bible belt, and we had a lot of opportunities to talk to Christians. And it was so it was so encouraging how good a people they are with what little they know, but it was also interesting for us to understand how much of the gospel is taken away in the apostasy. 
So I'm grateful for the opportunity that President Nelson is giving us to be missionaries. And the best way we can be missionaries is to study the greatest missionaries which are found in the scriptures. And I'm grateful for President Nelson today and love him so much and all he's doing and all of the general authorities. But Richard, I appreciate you and I'm honored that you would let me have an opportunity. But I, I know that God lives with every fiber of my being in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>